everybody, and welcome back to the BC Buckets podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University basketball. Coach Figuera and I are sitting up here in the Newman Flanagan Center at the coach's offices overlooking Rainacki Court. And coach, I know you guys just got out of practice a little bit ago, and the guys just left to go eat. Uh, what did you guys cover in practice today? I'm sure it was something very worthwhile. Well, we actually we got up and down quite a bit today. You know, probably the last time we'll do that as we start to to really hone in and prepare for all of that Nazarene on Thursday. But uh, we ran a few different scrimmages. Guys got after it. You know, this time of year, we really don't go on the floor for more than an hour at a time. You know, I'm, I'm all about right now making sure our guys are fresh. And, you know, that's physically, but it's also mentally. I think we can, we can certainly overdo it with how much information we're giving them right now. You know, and so we try to keep it light. We try to keep things focused. Um, but at the same time, you know, we want to make sure we get something out of it too. And guys have done a really good job of that these last few days whether it's been a light practice, a hard practice, or anything in between. Um, they've been really good. They've been really locked in. And, you know, the nice thing is right now, we're even though it's the weekend, we're on spring break um, all next week. And so the guys have nothing else right now but basketball. You know, there's no homework to worry about. There's nothing else. Uh, honestly, campus is pretty dead because it's spring break and nobody's here but us and uh, I think men's volleyball. So, uh, you know, it's, it's good in that regard. Um, you know, and now we're – like I said, we're starting to really dig in and prepare um, for Thursday. Um, we'll hit that again tomorrow and, and head up to Sioux Falls. When I walked in, you were saying something about you guys just got done playing wiffle ball. So let's get more into that. Is that a team uh, ritual? Is that a tradition? Is something you it's, guys? It's really not. It's it's just something uh, I thought today would be a good day to, to have a little fun, you know, while also competing. And, you know, our team is full of competitive dudes, obviously. It's also full of a lot of trash talkers and guys who will go at each other. They do it in practice all the time. But uh, they definitely just did that, and, and we had an 8-7 thriller, seven-inning game. Uh, you know, and it's just some, it's something fun. We try to do things like that every now and again with the team. We've gone bowling in the past. We've, when we were in Phoenix, we went to Top Golf. Um, I love an arbitrary competition where I can talk a lot of trash to the guys, too. And I was a designated pitcher, so I talked a lot and got a lot. But, uh, you know, Jaden Klein-Hesslink ended up being voted the MVP um, he had a three-run home run and I think the third inning up onto the second level. So he won that. But it was just, you know, one of those things. I don't have anything else to do. Let's kill a little time, have a little fun, and talk a little trash to each other. As the designated pitcher, do you catch an equal amount of crap from both teams about how you're doing? Do you stay consistent, whether that's consistently good or consistently bad? Well, I hold grudges. I can tell you that much. If, if someone's talking trash to me, they're going to they're gonna get the high heaters next time up. Um, I did have one error. I have to admit, I tried to field – Tried to feel left-handed and shouldn't have done that. Uh, gave up two home runs. You know, all in all, I, I thought I pitched okay with uh, a plethora of errors behind me. So, Coach, practice today, uh, and then I know you guys are going to take off for Sioux Falls tomorrow. Um, you know, most folks know uh, typically in the past for the national tournament, the routine was leave to head down to Branson. Obviously, that changed last year with the tournament moving up to Sioux Falls. Your routine changed a little bit because of the proximity and that sort of thing. But uh, overall, I think it sounds like you try to keep the experience as a, an experience for the guys, so you guys do head up early. Talk about your schedule this week, um, what practice will look like up in Sioux Falls, where will you guys be practicing, what sorts of things will you be doing to help get your guys ready to go for Thursday night? Well, it's, it's actually a pretty busy schedule moving forward here, Matt. We, uh, tomorrow morning, we're gonna, the guys are going to get a weight workout in with Coach Herc. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a light practice, go over some scouting report things, um, eat a little lunch and head up there, you know. And then tomorrow night we won't do a whole lot, you know. Take the guys to eat and 
uh, probably meet in the hotel later on. And then Tuesday is actually a pretty jam-packed day, part of the NAI's Champions of Character initiative. Uh, they have all the teams do some kind of outreach with the community. So we're going to go to an elementary school and, and talk to kids and sign autographs and, and do all that. You know, then in the afternoon, we have meetings with the coaches, just about tournament things. And then the opening banquet is Tuesday night, you know, and so that pretty much eats up most of Tuesday for us. Um, you know, practice-wise, they have all kinds of sites all over town from high schools to wellness centers, and it's just they have one person coordinates it, and, you know, they kind of put you where they can put you at the times you want. And, uh, you know, it's been good for us. You know, and at the same time, you only get 55 minutes. You know, they keep they run a tight ship with the times. And uh, so that's, you know, we have to be efficient. But at the same time, we're not in a situation where we're going to run two-hour practices anyway. Um, you know, so we'll get a good practice in Wednesday. We'll have a shoot around Thursday, um, you know, and then Thursday's game day and, you know, playing that late at night. It, it's a double-edged sword of, you know, I want the guys to be relaxed and, and rested and all that. But I also don't want them to sit around the hotel and do nothing all day and, and then they're groggy at 9 o'clock, you know. So we'll, we'll find it, try to find something to do. We'll have a shoot around, you know, maybe go watch a game or something. But, uh, you know, from then it's, it's go time and we win or there is no Friday. So you know, that's kind of the, the rough itinerary. And it's, you know, the, the nice thing about Sioux Falls is the travel so easy. You know, we shoot up 29 and back in the Branson days, it was a long trip down there. Um, now we also had our opening banquet at the Dixie Stampede, which is a big loss because they don't have one of those in Sioux Falls. So where do you have your opening banquet? Uh, it's just in a convention hall at, uh, at the hotel we're staying at, actually. So I assume at that elementary school, you guys will be reading to the elementary school kids, and then I assume they'll find one of the elementary school kids to read to Bobby. Is that kind of what the plan is? Yeah, they actually brought that up in the itinerary. They, they singled Bobby out like that. Yeah, you're spot on. So looking ahead to Olivet Nazarene, you know, we did kind of a short instant reaction podcast once the bracket came out, and we talked a little bit about them. Now that we're a few days past that, Coach, uh, you know, what, what additional research have you been able to do uh, looking at Olivet Nazarene, who will be the four seed in that game? Uh, you know, like we said, they're led by the Chicagoland Collegiate Athletic Conference Player of the Year, Nick Reed, and then a few other capable guards. It sounds like they play a guard-heavy style of basketball, which, you know, we're, we're fairly acclimated to. What more have you seen from them? Have you had a chance to watch some film, and how has your preparation for them been unfolding? Yeah, we, we've watched a lot of film, you know, between our coaching staff. And, you know, like I said, I thought would be the case. They're really good. You know, you don't you don't win a conference regular season um, if you're not pretty dang good. And, and that's just what they are. They're, I think they're pretty tough. Uh, they're physical. You know, they have multiple guys that can post. They have some guys who can really shoot it. Um, you know, and they're a really good offensive rebounding team. And I, I think one of the things – that I've sensed on film is, you know, they take advantage of other people's mistakes really well, you know, and teams like that, that that's always a sign of a good team to me um, when you really don't want to make a lot of mistakes against them. So, you know, they're good, and it's, it's a game where we're going to have to – we're going to be really dialed in defensively to our game plan. We're going to have to really execute and communicate at a high level um, if we're going to be successful, and it's really going to start with our defense and our rebounding. Um, you know, offensively – you know, we've seen about every style of defense you can see all year. And, and uh, you know, I don't know that we'll see anything brand new. Um, certainly different players we're not familiar with. Um, and, and right now we're just kind of finalizing our game plan on how we're going to attack their defense and what we think we can get um, and where we think we can really attack them. 
And, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, not much changes. It comes down to moving the ball. It comes down to getting great shots. It comes down to really trying to make the defense work um, to guard us, you know. And I think by doing that, and if you can consistently do that over a 40-minute game, you can really wear down a defense and, and start to get some great looks down the stretch when you really need them. The format of this tournament's a little bit different. You know, if people are used to the March Madness format where at most you're playing two games over the course of three days, uh, you know, high school playoffs, you know, you typically get a couple days at least in between games to kind of get ready for your next opponent. You know, I know you don't want to look ahead too much. You're focused on the team that's in front of you. But uh, if you were to win Thursday night, you guys would turn around and play a game then immediately Friday, which is kind of a unique format and something the NAIA has always done and, and something that, you know, I think keeps that tournament exciting. How much energy and time will you spend looking at your potential second-round opponents, if any? Well, our assistant coaches, Coach Shipley and Coach Davis, are already done with that. You know, and that's just uh, the way we structure our scouting. I, I always focus solely on our current opponent. You know, Coach Davis is usually two games ahead, and Coach Shipley's one game ahead. You know, and so at this time and in this tournament, because the turnaround times are so short, um, you have to be prepared. You know, if you win, you know, we'll meet that night and, and Coach Davis and Shipley will pretty much brief me on everything, whoever our next opponent is. And then with modern technology, I can, I can get right on my iPad and start watching film. And so it, it is nice in that regard that it's so accessible to get the film. Um, but our assistants do a good job, too, just making sure they're prepared and ready and, uh, you know, trying to put our guys in the best position possible. And, and as you go on, especially with tight turnarounds, you, I think you have to give your players a little bit less information because on a tight turnaround, they can't process it. We're not going to have a day of practice to get ready for it. You know, it's going to be about a 40-minute shoot-around, and you try to hit on a couple of really big main points um, and go from there. But you, you mentioned the format of the tournament, Matt. It's, I mean, it's the hardest tournament in college basketball to win, you know, by, and it's not even close. You know, you're talking about if you play your first-round game on Thursday to win it all, you have to win five games in six days. And, that, I mean, that's incredibly hard. Um, you know, and it takes a lot of toughness, and obviously you have to be really good to do that. Um, but even playing a back-to-back -back like we potentially could, um, you know, we've done it before, and it's, you know, you just kind of figure out what works and um, how do you want to structure that second day, how much do you want to let the guys sleep in, how much do you want, you know, and it's the same thing I talked about on Thursday because it would be a late game. Again, you don't want to be sleeping all day. You don't want to be laying around the hotel. You need to be up and active and, and get the blood flowing a little bit. Um, so you're ready to go at 9.15 or whatever it is. What do you expect out of your upperclassmen as you head into tomorrow, head up there, have a week that kind of throws you out of your regular routine a little bit, you're sleeping in different beds, you're practicing in different venues. I mean, it's, it totally throws your routine out of whack. Uh, fortunately, you have a lot of guys who have been through this a few times, but you also have several who have not. So what do you expect out of, you know, those juniors and seniors as, you know, you go into a week where, you know, your focus has to be there even though you're thrown out of your normal routine? Yeah, I think it comes down to focus and leadership, you know, and there's all kinds of excuses you can make. Well, you know, we got to practice on this high school court or, you know, we're sleeping in a hotel or our schedule's different. We don't ever practice at this time. We don't play at 9 o'clock at night. You know, and those are all just excuses to me, and, and you, you get caught up in that stuff and you're going to lose, you know. And I think our older guys know that. You know, our seniors, this is their fourth time, you know, and two of the three times before they've advanced, and I think they know what it takes and, uh, you know, adversity is going to throw your way. You know, a game on Thursday is going to go to overtime, and all of a sudden our game's not starting until 9.30 now, and you've got to roll with the punches. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you have to be, have to be a, 
agile and think on your feet and, and be ready to adapt and adjust to whatever it is. And, and so I just expect those guys to lead us. I mean, that's what they've done for, you know, seniors for four years, um, all season long through the ups and downs. That's what they've done, and that's what I expect. And think about that. Those guys, this is their fourth national tournament. I mean, that, that's really impressive. You know, there's not – I think it's a really small percentage of college basketball players you can say they played in – you know, the biggest stage of whatever level or division they played to do that all four years. It just doesn't happen a whole lot. And, and so those guys, um, you know, deserve a lot of credit for that because they've been the backbone of a lot of those teams, you know. And at the same time, it, this is this is only the second time in school history that we've gone five straight times, you know. And for our guys to be a part of that, I think that's pretty awesome, you know, because it's, it's hard to get to the national tournament. You know, I – I talk about that when we when we meet with recruits on campus. You know, part of the experience our guys have had here has been going to the national tournament. They're fortunate for that, and it's hard to get there. You know, it's hard to, to be good enough throughout the regular season or win a conference tournament or whatever. It's really hard to do that. You know, but once you're there, you have to make sure you, you take a minute to enjoy it, you know, and all the stuff going on. There's a lot of distractions. But at the end of the day, you've got a week or more of nothing but basketball with your teammates, with – you know, there's no school, there's no homework assignments, there's nothing. And and so you need to enjoy that and, and take advantage of the opportunity you have. All right. So, again, that game will be 9 o'clock Thursday night, Thursday, March 7th, up at the Sanford Pentagon in Sioux Falls, a fantastic venue. I know a lot of the people listening to this have been there for last year's tournament or uh, for other high school basketball or volleyball tournaments or, or whatever. It's, it's a, a great venue. It's used a lot in this region for a lot of different athletic events uh, make sure you get up there for that game again nine o'clock at the Sanford Pentagon should be a great atmosphere last game of the day so Bradcliffe has a chance to put an exclamation point on on uh, the first round of that tournament so switching gears a little bit coach uh, we actually did have a couple listener questions this week and I think we're going to lead into one because it's a little bit relevant to what we're talking about Jake built a uh, former student coach and also a great guest on the podcast a couple of months ago he tweeted at us a story about a division two school in Pennsylvania, I believe that, uh, forgot their away uniforms, their student managers or coaches forgot their away uniforms. They got to the opponent's facility, must've realized it at that time. Fortunately, the home team, uh, had some old away jerseys that they let this school use. I'm trying to look it up right now. I believe it was, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was Indiana university of Pennsylvania. Um, that forgot their jerseys, right. and that yep. and that is actually that's a big time Division two basketball program. They'd had a ton of success over the last decade, and and historically, as far as I know, you know that is if you're a, a student coach, a manager, an assistant coach at any level, that is one of your worst nightmares, you know, because even though you know for us, um, Bobby and Ethan get all of our stuff ready, um, and our guys pack their own. You know, so if they don't grab it out of their locker, it's it's their own fault. You know, but if Bobby or Ethan forgot something, it'd be tough for them. Um, it'd also be tough for Coach Shipley and Davis, you know, because they, there's always a couple layers of accountability there. And, uh, you know, positive things would not be coming out of my mouth. Let's just put it that way. Um, I actually saw that at a state tournament in Nebraska probably been seven, eight years ago. It was a deal where, you know, the top team on the bracket was supposed to wear white and the bottom team dark, and the bottom team brought white, but the top team brought both. And so something they had to both wear the same. Uh, it was a weird deal, yeah. but uh, same kind of situation, and that's something that, uh, you know, Bobby and Ethan, 
don't forget the uniforms this week. Let's just put it that way. Fortunately, it's a pretty short road trip, so if necessary, they can sneak right back down the interstate. So, Jake, thanks for throwing that out there. That's a, uh, I'm sure that's a nightmare for people like you who uh, took that responsibility very seriously. So something we didn't talk about last week, um, I had gone out of town with my wife. We took a, an extended weekend to head out to Las Vegas. I had promised my wife we would go see the Backstreet Boys. So we took a Vegas trip to go see the Backstreet Boys. That was the sole purpose of the trip. Uh, but I know we've talked about food a little bit on here. And so I thought we could spend a few minutes talking about what we ate. And uh, part of that came from recommendations from you, which were greatly appreciated. Those were right on. First of all, the rumor going around Sioux City is that it was actually you who wanted to go see the Backstreet Boys and your wife begrudgingly agreed. You know, if you look at the pictures after that concert. And your social media concert, post would certainly back that up. I, I you, will. You really fanboyed the Backstreet Boys. I'll tell you what. When you're sitting where we – so we were general admission. And we got there about half an hour early, not too early. But we were about the 10th people in line. And the general admission is standing room only right down by the stage. And so we were right on the stage. And I'll tell you what, it could be Weird Al. It could be the Philadelphia Youth Choir. When you're that close, it is rocking and you have a good time. And I was in middle school and, and uh, high school when they came out. So, you know, I obviously that's music's part of my generation but uh it was a blast i fist bumped four out of the five backstreet boys which i took great pride in did you get snubbed by the fifth or did you not have the opportunity i'm you really know, hoping you got snubbed i got snubbed by aj and i always knew aj was the bad boy but i never knew aj was the jerk uh and after after that weekend uh i now label aj as the jerk I, there was about three or four times where he looked our general direction and and just opted not to and i don't know if you know he saw this big dude just standing in the front row and he's like ah that's probably not not where i'm gonna head or he saw the many many attractive women all over the other parts of the stage and he he understandably uh spent a lot of his time over there but it was an awesome experience hit after hit a lot of songs i totally forgot about and uh, it, it honestly was a really great time. So if you go on my Twitter, you'll see how good of a time I had. I will tell you, if we had been sitting in the back row, I wouldn't have enjoyed it nearly as much. Just something about being right down there, uh, right on top of that stage was, was really fun. But anyway, back to the food. So I thought, and, and I need to say, I don't know that we've actually talked about Vegas food on this podcast before. We've talked food a lot. But uh, I've been to Vegas my fair share of times over the last decade. Um, it's a, it's one of my wife and I's favorite places to go. And the food is so underrated in Vegas. It, it deserves to be talked about. And it's almost a shame and criminal that we haven't talked about it yet. But uh, now that it's fresh in your mind, let's go. Yeah. And I thought I'd run down a few of the things we ate, uh, some of the, the highlights. And then if you want to chime in with some of your go-tos or your favorites, but, uh, when we first got there, we went up to Fremont Street, which is the old downtown area, the old Vegas, I guess. Uh, and we found a little place called Pizza Rock. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's just a, a pizza place. I've never actually been to Fremont Street. Really? Yeah, I, I, I generally don't stray too far off the strip. So okay. anything down there is going to be foreign to me. I've heard that name, but never been there. It was it was awesome. It wasn't real busy when we got in there. It was about noon on a Thursday. It was snowing. It was snowing when we flew in. That's uh, frustrating and disappointing. It was it was interesting. Um, actually, the, all the locals were pretty 
pretty fired up about it. They uh, obviously it doesn't happen that much. Spoiled. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it was great. We got this pizza called the Cal Italia. Uh, just had a bunch of different uh, cheeses on it, like this fig jelly, which at first you know you think that sounds kind of kind of weird, but then it had prosciutto and some kind of balsamic. Uh, vinaigrette sauce on it and it was i, I know i'm not sure i can get head, on board with this but it was it was wonderful i'm pretty pretty standard give me pepperoni or italian sausage and i'm pretty happy with a pizza yeah well no this this was great and i'm not gonna go through everything but a couple of the highlights we took you up on a recommendation a place called javier's at aria oh yeah Javier is phenomenal. Great mexican place seafood enchilada plate is unbelievable well that's i've that's had it I, a couple times yeah what i got it was called the Cabo Azul, I think is what it was called. And it had like a lobster enchilada, shrimp tacos. Yep. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's so good. I've had it twice. Yeah. Yeah. It is fantastic. Um, just just unbelievable. And then we had some uh, appetizer called queso fundido, which is like a, a melted cheese. Not like a dip. I mean, it, it's, it's a consistency where you have to kind of chop it up and you can put it on a tortilla. But uh, – just just really really good yeah the times i've been there um my wife and i've been there twice and and we've never even got to the appetizers because i was inhaling the chips and salsa because their salsa is oh. so good there yeah yep and i you know there's not too many times i don't enjoy chips in a good bowl of salsa i mean it's you're hard pressed to find a salsa i don't like but uh this definitely ranks up there just a couple of the other things that that were really good uh we ate at a place called koi which is in planet hollywood uh which is also where our backstreet boys concert was at so we ate there right before uh, and we had some sushi we had this wagyu surf and turf it was like wagyu beef uh and uh like shrimp and then they also had this king alaskan roll which was um salmon and and some crab and some different things just really good if you like sushi it was it was really good um, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about, this was the last meal that we ate there, but it was a place called Hell's Kitchen based on the Gordon Ramsay show, Hell's Kitchen on Fox. Yep. Seen the show. Never been to the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, now it's not, you know, when you go in, they're not competing. It's not a competition occurring, but they make it look like it is. So half of the chefs are wearing, you know, the blue aprons, half are in red and it, it kind of looks like the set from that show and i presume they do some of the filming at that location but uh when it's just a regular night it's just a restaurant and we got the signature dish that is always served on that show the appetizer was uh scallops which were really good really well done uh, gordon ramsay would have been quite proud of whoever cooked those up uh, and then beef wellington was the main dish the main entree uh, which i had never had before and it was just an unbelievable cut of meat uh that's cooked in a puff pastry basically uh, just really good and then for dessert gordon ramsay has a signature like toffee bread pudding which was just amazing so we were we were very full i think that's the most expensive dinner i've ever eaten uh but it was it was well worth it so i would definitely say you know next time you guys make it out there that's worth at least getting on your radar all right a couple places we need to add and uh you know one i was disappointed because i thought i pushed it pretty hard to you to go to um you know the best breakfast sandwiches i've ever had there's a place in the cosmopolitan called egg slut and you know there's only like three options of breakfast sandwiches and i've had two of them and they're unbelievable you're gonna wait in line for about 20 minutes they make it right in front of you it's unbelievable i think we went there twice possibly three times the last time we were in vegas so you need to try that next time you go 
Um, this is not a Vegas specific thing. It's a big city thing, but they have a Shake Shack at New York, New York. And Shake Shack, if you've never been, you just need to. You need to get the Smokehouse Burger, some of their fries, and a shake. Unbelievable. We actually we did uh, we did eat there. Oh, did you? One of those afternoons for lunch. Perfect. Yeah, I think my wife got the Smokehouse Burger. Is that the one? It's with got the, the little and cherry stuff? peppers on it. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a little too a little too peppery. Uh, and normally that's not a complaint. It was good. Don't get me wrong. I just got the normal, whatever they call the normal burger. It was a double. But uh, and then we got cookies and cream shakes. But yeah, great place. Oh, and I should real quick. I should say on breakfast. You mentioned breakfast. We got lazy with one of our breakfasts, and we did the Vegas thing where we ate the Excalibur buffet. I was playing some poker there that morning, so we. Uh, grabbed a quick bite at the Excalibur buffet, and it was very much just okay. When you go to a Vegas buffet, on a scale of 1 to 10, how similar can you construct a plate to Cousin Eddie in Vegas Vacation? You know, I've never been to that Vegas buffet that they talk about on those. I hear about those two ninety nine buffets. Uh, but if you go to a buffet on the Strip, it doesn't matter where it is. You're going to pay minimum 20 bucks a person. Uh, and it's usually a pretty good spread. It would r- remind you very much of what you're getting at a Golden Corral or one of those buffet places. But, uh, no, I, uh, I didn't find a place that just had blue and yellow. These were all <laughs> identifiable foods. You know, and, and to get back on track, um, you know, one other place that, uh, that we've been to that we really liked is called Haleo. It's a tapas place. I think it's in the Cosmopolitan. I'm pretty sure. Um, we went there last time. We were there. Really, really good. A little pricey um, for what you get, but really good food. You know, and that's the thing. You can't go wrong. There's certain places. You know, we want to go to every time we go there, and other places we want to try. So, you have an unending amount of options when you're in Vegas. Oh, one other, one other restaurant. So we Saturday, that Saturday, the last day we were there. I had never been to the Hoover Dam, so that's something we wanted to do. I've always found that fascinating. I always find just any engineering feats fascinating. But uh, Boulder City is the name of the town that's right by the Hoover Dam. And there's a little cafe called the Coffee Cup, which is located in that town. It's been on diners, drive-ins, and dives before, lots of Food Network shows. Uh, but it's just a typical small-town diner. Great food. Uh, I would say it, nothing. I wouldn't say it's anything special, but, you know, good breakfast good food is good breakfast food. Um, so that's a place off the beaten trail, you know, if – if uh, you're ever looking for somewhere a little different and you're getting out to the Hoover Dam, that's a place to definitely stop. Um, hotels. We had originally planned to stay at the Link Hotel, which was the old Imperial Palace. We ended up staying at uh, Planet Hollywood just because that's where most of our entertainment was. Where do you guys typically stay when you're out there? Uh, generally stay at the Flamingo. It's kind of centralized on the Strip, and, and honestly, we don't stray from that area a whole lot. There's just so much to do, and... Um, you know, I think a lot of it is you've seen one, you've seen them all as far as the casinos and hotels go. And it's just about where you're going to eat and what you're going to do for entertainment while you're there. You try to stay fairly centralized, fairly localized. And so that's generally what we do. All right, coach, well, we better start wrapping things up here so you can get ready for the week ahead. I know you guys, uh, it's going to be a fun, exciting week. Um, but before we do that, we haven't had a listener question in a while. And like I said, Jake built former guest on the podcast, sent a couple to us, one we've already talked about a little bit. But uh, this was another question he had. I guess he's starting to look ahead to the spring weather, uh, and this is a golf-related question. So he said, who would be your dream golf foursome? As an example, he says his would be Tiger, George W. Bush, and Michael Jordan. And he gave some 
uh, rationale with that. He said he'd want Tiger there just for the, the, the golf. He'd like to just see Tiger golf. W for the stories. And then he's always wanted to uh, smoke a cigar with MJ. So that was Jake Bilt's golf foursome. Who would you like to golf with? And who would be driving the carts? Maybe let's put that on as an additional question. Wow. That's a good one, Jake. Um, you know, and I, Michael Jordan, that's a great one. You know, and, you know, he mentioned smoking a cigar. I would mention, you know, or ask Jake, would he be willing to go 10000 a hole, which was kind of the going rate for Jordan when he was really gambling on golf when he played for the Bulls. Um, you know, and Tiger Woods, yeah, that's obviously – that's a good one. You know, for me, I think uh, – and I don't, I'm not going to reuse any of Jake's because Tiger and Jordan would be high on my list too. Um, I'm going to go John Daly because I think that guy's just kind of a nut. I think it'd be fun to be around him. Um, you know, he was, he was a pretty big deal when I started – following golf and and got into playing golf when i was a kid so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with john daly uh number two adam sandler as happy gilmore um in character the whole time swings and everything th that would just be hilarious you know and i would probably beat the dead horse doing um happy gilmore lines well he's he's like a 50 year old man now though so i don't know about that step step swing. he can he go to the chiropractor do a little yoga um you know he could he, he'd be fine you know, and this this is my foursome goal, so don't question it. All right. Um, All right, and number four, and I'm going to keep with uh, Jake having his fourth of the foursome as a basketball player. I'm going with Charles Barkley. One, the guy's swing is awesome. Two, I think it'd be really funny, and I'd get him talking about basketball analytics and argue with him about that. So there you go, Jake. All right, Jake. Uh, thanks for the question. And if anyone else has any questions out there, uh, make sure you get those sent in. We'll have at least one or two more episodes this season. So a couple more chances to get those questions in before we take a break for the rest of the year. And with that, we're going to go into shout-outs. So I'm going to give a shout-out to the North Sioux City Police Department. On Thursday night, uh, my wife had taken the kids. My daughter's in gymnastics, and then my son is in, like, a, a ninja class. It's kind of like American Ninja Warrior where they climb things, and they do the warp wall and do all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, while they were in there, somebody hit and ran, hit and run hit our car i think it's ran. hit and ran hit and ran i think so is that a thing is that a word uh former guest michael collison clarify please what's the proper grammar here yeah uh we were the victims of a hit and run maybe that's the better way to put it but uh anyway uh fortunately somebody saw it happen so we know the guy who did it but uh the police were super cool about calming uh my family down and getting everything taken care of for us so we appreciate the work they do and any law enforcement around here uh thanks for uh catching all the bad guys you know, I have two shout-outs, Matt. Number one is a preemptive shout-out to all the Briarcliff fans that are going to be up in Sioux Falls later this week. And I, you know, in my time at Briarcliff, we've been fortunate to go to quite a few national tournaments. You know, and in Branson, we always had big crowds. Last year, the first year up in Sioux Falls, you know, it was it was something we hadn't seen just because it's so close and it's easier for people to get there. You know, I certainly hope and expect that to be the same this year. So, so shout-out to all those people that are going to be up at the Pentagon and, and number two is, is just our whole coaching staff. You know, Coach Shipley, Coach Davis, Coach Schultz, Coach Leffler. And I'm going to throw Bobby and Ethan in that. Just all the work they do, you know, throughout the year, um, all the work they've done this past few days and, and going into this week, it's a, it's a stressful time. There's a lot of little things um, logistically that have to be coordinated when you go to the national tournament and on, your, on the road and then a hotel for a week at a time or more. 
Um, you know, and those guys do a great job. And on top of it, you know, Coach Shipley and Coach Davis are, are all, all on top of our scouting reports and making sure we're ready to go. And, you know, if we're fortunate enough to advance, like I said, they're going to be ready to rock and roll for the next round and, and hopefully beyond. So shout out to those guys. All right. Well, this is it. National Tournament Week. This is going to be an awesome, exciting week. I can't wait for uh, Thursday night. Speaking of the hit and run, uh, we're down a car, so if anyone can let me tag along for the national tournament, I could sure use a ride. I'll help pay for gas. Briarcliff plays Olivet Nazarene on Thursday, March 7th at 9 p.m. up at the Sanford Pentagon. Should be a great game. GPAC Player of the Year, Jay Wolf, going up against their Conference Player of the Year. Uh, a lot of good storylines. Uh, definitely make sure you get up there and check it out. If you absolutely can't make the trip, make sure you find somewhere to watch the game because those guys really need your support and they deserve your support. So uh, until next time, we'll talk to you later. Safe travels. Safe travels.